When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's Football Podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon B.K. Kylie. This is Before the Box Score, your post-Black and Gold Game Edition. Did you see it? <laughs> no, you didn't. It wasn't allowed. No one could go see it. But we sent some people there to go see it, and we had some people who write about Missouri football went to go see it. So we're going to talk about spring. We're going to talk about staff movement. We're going to talk about Cruton, and we're going to talk about uh, – how to call an Uber. BK, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, my friend? I can't complain. I'm very excited that the Missouri Basketball Tigers won a game in the NCAA tournament. The first one since 2010. It's been so long. I was still in the basketball band at the time, so very glad uh, that this father of two uh, gets to break that spell. Uh, BK, how much uh, how much college basketball did you watch this this past weekend? A ton. An absolutely absurd amount of college basketball has been consumed on my end. We don't have to talk about the second game that Mizzou played. Let's just pretend that that one didn't exist. Um, But the first one was great. It was really nice to see Missouri win a basketball game in the tournament for the first time in more than a decade. Enjoyed that one quite a lot. Yeah, I of course, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I always love it when my school does well. And damn it, I'm just... I am excited that people are excited about Missouri basketball. Now, I know that we have seen that when when Conzo Martin was hired and all those big recruits came on campus. Like, I know there's some excitement there that withered and died as the years went on. But 
this seems more sustainable. And I'm very glad that those who enjoy basketball, like such as some of the writers and proprietors of Rock M uh, and other acquaintances that we have are very excited about basketball. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting when you have excitement around both programs. And obviously the level of excitement for Eli Drinkwood's football program is a little bit different than Dennis sure. Smith's basketball program. Uh, but man, drink can still keep you interested uh, with the curtain wins and all the potential of what it can be. But we're going to kick off our football talk today with actually kind of some downer bummer news. Uh, as as the spring session wound down, and of course Missouri's spring game and spring workouts were earlier than most other teams. Uh, but as our, as Missouri's wore down, there's a little bit of rumor coming out that Marcus Johnson, Missouri's uh, offensive line coach, run game coordinator, and assistant head coach, was being courted by Ryan Walters' Purdue staff to come on uh, as an offensive line coach for Purdue. And by the time that was reported, it was pretty much a guarantee it was going to happen kind of thing. No paperwork had been signed or anything like that. But lo and behold, earlier today, it was official. Uh, so Marcus Johnson, who's been with Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri since the start, and was the architect of some pretty good offensive lines with not a lot of talent there. He gone. He's leaving the SEC for the Big Ten in Purdue. Of course, he and Ryan uh, overlapped at Missouri for one single year. Uh, Eli Drink was his first year in 2020, so there's some familiarity there. But BK, I, I know the offensive line was a problem last year. But as much as people are like, why aren't you blaming Marcus Johnson? For me, anyway, it's because he just didn't seem like he had the talent to put something good out there. Uh, we had seen what he did in 20 and 21 and 22 was an aberration. So for me, I am, I am bummed to see him go. What was your initial reaction when you heard the news drop? Same thing. Um, I, I always say that listen to their actions, not their words in terms of like what the team believes about really anything. And their actions told you that they really liked Marcus Johnson. They thought he did a really good coach. And the reason why I say that is because he continuously got raises and new titles added to his name. He was the assistant head coach, he was the running game coordinator, and he was the offensive line coach. He started at Missouri making, I think it was $300,000. By the time that he left, he was making more than $600,000. That's not by accident. They just don't randomly give guys on the staff uh, new titles and significantly more money. There's two reasons why that takes place. One, your team really values you, and two, other teams around college football really value you. And when you have both of those things taking place, which I believe was the case for Marcus Johnson, that's when you start adding up a whole lot of money and a whole lot of titles in a very short period of time. And that's what happened for him. So this is a big loss for Missouri. I know Mizzou fans are going to point to it, like you said, Nate, and they're going to say, hey, but the O-line was bad already. Can't get a whole lot worse. Ah, careful. Careful what you wish yeah. for there. Yeah. This is a guy that was able to make a little bit of chicken salad out of you know what, and uh, especially in the COVID year, 2020, I thought he did a really good season or a really good job. Last couple of years, I thought he's been pretty good, pretty solid. They had a problem at center last year, but otherwise the offensive line was mostly fine. I thought a lot of their scheme was the problem when it came to the running game. And yes, I understand he's the run game coordinator. Let's be honest. Eli Drinkwitz is the guy that is designing and building up this offense. So moral of the story, it's a significant loss for Mizzou. How significant? I think that kind of depends on who they get to hire him, honestly. Yeah. Or to replace him, rather. Yeah. I I mean, you think about offensive line coaches of the past. 
Brad Davis was pretty good. I liked him. I think Bruce Walker was probably the guy that most of us uh, old heads of my age remember and cherish. He was the one that put together that funky 2013 offensive line. Uh, he was had a heavy hand in the construction of the 07 and 08 lines. They were also pretty good. Um, the 2010 line, 2013 line, like that was probably you know Mizzou's goat uh, offensive line coach. And, you know, A.J. Ricker took over and the offensive line went down. Josh Henson did a good job as well on the O-line. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn Ellerby, um, who's a— Very good offensive line coach. Very good offensive line coach. In specific— I know people hate him. Specific <laughs> schemes, though, right? Like, he Correct. he needs that Josh Heupel kind of warp speed offense, but he he puts together lines that do really, really well in that scheme. And I, I do miss Glenn Ellerby. I thought he was great. Uh, Marcus Johnson, though, man, like again, he he did more with less, and he he inherited a bunch of Odom guys who were just basically big dudes, and he made them really good in 2020 and 2021. Again, not in 22, a lot of juggling. The talent wasn't there, but I am going to miss him. And here's the thing, you know, when you when you are constructing, when you are constructing a college football staff, you need guys who are football coaches, right? Like who can coach the players up. You also need recruiters. Uh, if you can find a guy who's a good coach and a good recruiter, yeah, heck yeah, let's do that. But more often than not, they're gonna ski they're gonna skew one way or the other. Now, in a staff, you can take a super recruiter and you can hide them as a position coach in a couple of places. Maybe like as a running backs coach or a defensive back coach, something like that. You can't Titans. <laughs> you cannot hide a recruiter as an offensive line coach, okay? Those need to be football-ass coaches. Offensive line coaches typically are the smartest coaches in the room, right up there with the quarterback's coach, who's basically just another coordinator, right? You need to get a guy who is really good at coaching football and is really good at connecting people, has a lot of soft skills, right? Because you're not just making football players better. You're finding the right five-man combination to trot out there. It is a hard job. And if you're good at it, you are set for life. The best, in my mind, is Bill Bedenbaugh at Oklahoma, who's just uh-huh. turned out numerous NFL draft picks at the offensive line. You're not taking him away, but you got to find someone like that who's got a track record of putting stuff together, having great soft skills, making offensive lines better, and, yeah, also being able to recruit a little bit. Uh, BK, I know you were kind of hitting, shopping around looking for some replacement OC or O-line coaches, I should say. Uh, tell me, who, who do you have your eye on right now? So firstly, let me add on to what you're saying there, because I totally agree with you in terms of the importance on the O-line. One other part of it is that offensive line is so incredibly technical. Like, you can get away as a wide receiver, especially at the college level and especially with the way that schemes are nowadays. You can kind of get away with just being a great athlete. Running back is probably the position where you can translate the quickest. Uh Um, There are certain spots where, like, you can just out-athlete the guy next to you. Offensive line is not typically one of those spots. Now, if you're just bigger and stronger than the guy in front of you, you can to a degree win that way. But it's very rare in the SEC that you can do that, that you can get away with it. Maybe in the Big 12? Probably not in the SEC, especially the way that Missouri plays. So it is highly technical. And so, like, if you're looking at non-coordinator, non-head coach, coaches, or personnel people that are on a staff, I think the most important guy that probably doesn't get talked a lot about is the strength and conditioning coach. There's a million different reasons mm-hmm. for that. Yep. 
after that, I think it's O-line. I, I really do. I think this is about as important of a hire as Missouri will make. That will get almost zero notoriety until it goes wrong, and then they'll <laughs> be the only one that everybody is talking about. It's kind of like a hitting coach in baseball, right? Yeah. Don't really yeah. talk about him when things are going well, but when things are going poorly, that's the guy that everybody wants to fire. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, I went through a few of these names, and I'm going to say this on the front end. This is purely speculation, and it is all based on ties that these guys have previously to either Eli Drinkwitz or Kirby Moore, and in some cases, both of them. So, I apologize for certainly butchering this name, but <laughs> the first one, Saga Tuatele. Tuatele, yep. He is the offensive line coach at Fresno State while uh, Kirby Moore was there, was the offensive line coach there. He was on his staff in 2021 and 2022. He was previously, very recently, named the offensive line coach at Arizona State. I don't think he is going to be a guy that ends up leaving that job right now. He's kind of a West Coast guy, makes sense at Arizona State. I would be surprised if he was hired at Missouri. I was also surprised that Johnson decided to leave right after spring ball, though. So weird stuff happens sometimes. Scott Huff is another name to bring up. He is a coach who has connections to both Drinkwitz and Moore. He was a position coach at Boise State while Moy was, Moore was there playing wide receiver. And then he served as the O-line coach at Boise while Drinkwitz was on the staff there. So Scott Huff is certainly a name worth keeping in mind. Nate Potter is another name that has connections to both Drinkwitz and Moore. He played offensive tackle at Boise State while Kirby Moore was there. He was his teammate. And then he served in a bunch of different roles as an assistant coach at multiple different schools, including Boise. He is now the running game coordinator and tight ends coach at Boise State. Is he going to leave Boise, his alma mater, for Missouri? I would be surprised. It would, however, be a title upgrade for him. I would assume it would be a significant money upgrade. Not sure the geographical fit is there, though. Yeah. The guy that... Go ahead. The guy that I think makes the most sense out of the four names that I was able to find. Brad Bedell. Coached the offensive line at Arkansas State while Drinkwitz was on the staff there in 2013. He eventually followed Brian Harson, and that was kind of his guy. He went to, with, with Harson to Boise State and then followed Harson again to Auburn. He was the running game coordinator and O-line coach at Boise. Sound familiar? <laughs> and then he was the tight ends coach the past two seasons at Auburn. He was, however, fired in the middle of last year, along with Brian Harson because he's kind of his right-hand man. He has yet to be hired anywhere from what I can tell. He makes a lot of sense, given what Missouri runs, given the ties to Eli Drinkwitz. I wouldn't be shocked by that one. But then, it is worth noting, Jack Sobel, who covers the team in Columbia for the Columbia Missourian, said, uh, former Indiana offensive line coach and running game coordinator Darren Hiller has been working with the Mizzou O-line in spring camp. He has been at, quote, almost every spring practice. So maybe that's just the hire that they're going to make, I guess. Uh, but there's not really a, an obvious tie to the current staff other than the fact that he was at Arkansas State while Eli Drinkwitz was a high school coach in Arkansas. Those are five names for you. Your reaction to them is what? I... I would love, I would love Saga Tutele. That would be great. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm with you. He just got to Arizona State. Now, that means he doesn't have a lot of investment, 
but it would be pulling him away from the West Coast and away from a brand new job. Like that seems, that seems tough. Uh, I like Nate Potter. He's a cool story. I remember him from Boise State. He was an awesome tackle for them. He is familiar with that style of offense. Obviously, he's he knows Kirby. He probably has decent buds with him. So that would make sense from a camaraderie kind of connection standpoint. Um, I know almost nothing about Brad Bedell. I know that Auburn's offense last year was pretty bad. Uh, and I don't know if you... Um, like, we talk about the scheme fit, right? And we talk about, oh, familiarity with the system and all that stuff. And yes, yes, absolutely. I, I I agree with a lot of that. But keep in mind, the only offensive line that was penalized more than Missouri's last year was Auburn's. Um, and they gave a lot of pressures uh, when Missouri didn't. Uh, they, now, they didn't blow a lot of blocks, which was good. But, you know, for the most part, it kind of feels like you, you might be swapping out you know, same, same um, from a, you know, making guys better when you don't have a lot of talent. And just for what it's worth, he was their tight ends coach. And like in a weird way, that almost makes me more anxious about it because <laughs> he was the running game coordinator and O-line coach at Boise. And then when he went with Harson to Auburn, uh, he Harson was like, uh, actually, we're going to go ahead and demote you to tight ends coach. Like, yo, running game coordinator and O-line coach at Boise State. Sure, that's fine. This is the SEC, though. We're going to need you to be our tight ends coach. So mm. that that would make me a little anxious as well. Well, like you said, all of this is speculation. I sure. do like, you know, from what Jack's saying with, with Darren Hitler. Uh, oh, my God. Not. Not the Fuhrer of the Third Reich, Darren Hiller. Hiller. There Hiller, we go. Of course. Yes. Hiller. Hiller. Darren Hiller. Um, yeah. I, again, Indiana football, not a bastion of the sport, right? Had a, one good year in the past 10. Still, it's a guy who's familiar with big-time football, who was available, and who apparently has been on campus uh, this entire spring. So... There is something to be said for that. Also, keep in mind, you know, Eli Drinkwitz brings in, you know, all these staffs bring in old fired coaches for analyst jobs. So maybe that's what he was doing. I don't know. But you do have some options. It is really tough to evaluate offensive line coach outside of reputation. Uh, I we're, we're doing the best we can, you know, talking about these guys. But like at the end of the day, can they do they have the soft skills and do they have the technical skills to be successful? That's it. And if Eli thinks they do, if Kirby thinks they do, then bring them on and make it happen. Uh, for a long time, you know, I, I talked about our former uh, tight ends coach, Bruce Walker, who was tight ends coach for, you know, Martin Rucker, Chase Coffin, and then kind of dabbled in offensive line. And then when he became the full offensive line coach, that's when they took off. We had no idea. He didn't really do any of that offensive line stuff previously. It just worked. He found the guys that made it work. So any hire can work. It's just tough to tell. And it sucks when you've got a guy who is in such demand like Marcus Johnson, and now we're right back in kind of the, the unknown period with a position group that absolutely positively needs to improve and has some really high-end talent that it's going to be able to work with. It needs to be developed over the couple of years. That's the big one, too. So I don't know what it means. I think everyone's kind of made this joke at some point, so I'll just go ahead and add my name to the list. It'd be really nice if one of them could, you know, come with maybe a transfer center or two uh, to join the ranks of Missouri's offensive line so that they can figure out that problem and begin working on on developing everybody else. 
I guess this leads us to the offensive line coach or offensive line question, I should say, uh, as a whole, because we got some reports out of spring camp, specifically from Eli, specifically about the centers and his vocal disappointment in the position. He talked about snaps being sprayed all over the place. He talked about not getting big enough, not getting strong enough, not putting the work in. Well, guys, there's three centers, right? Bency Polgar, Connor Tolleson, Drake Heismeyer. That's it. They tried to get that kid from Miami to come, and he never did. So, like, this is this is what we're working with right now. Now, the portal reopens in May, but if that's what he's saying out loud to his three centers, I mean, it's not great. And you just the reason he's doing it is to motivate them, right? That's what any college football coach is doing. If he's talking to the media, he's talking to his players. That's an easy one. But the fact that he is doing that publicly and telling them to get bigger, faster, stronger, and stop messing up the, the snaps, like the basic thing, <laughs> the basic how you start every single offensive play, like, I don't know, BK, does that seem a little concerning to you? It's highly concerning. Um, it's something worth monitoring, and it's something that I was sounding the alarm bells on prior to camp. Yeah. Which this was not a surprise to anybody that watched any amount of Mizzou football last year. If you watched closely enough, you saw, listen, man, I think Connor Tolleson might eventually become a good SEC offensive lineman. He's not that right now, and that is not a shot against the kid, and it's not being unfair to the kid. It's the reality of being light in the pants early on in your career. Like, there are certain guys that worked out at on the Gary Pinkle offensive lines because they waited. Because it took time to develop, to get bigger, to get into the strength and conditioning program. And by the, by, the, by the time they were juniors or seniors, they were ready to go. They certainly weren't that, though, as freshmen and sophomores. So it, it was really, I think, unlikely and unfair to expect that of Connor Tolleson this early in his career. And for them to just basically double down on it with Bincy Polger being the only other real option in there, it was like, well, if Polgar doesn't work out, you're basically just getting back to the same place that you were at a year ago, which was not good. You were not in a f advantageous situation whenever you took the field with Tolleson as your center. So they need to go get somebody. They need to get either a Juco kid or somebody that can play center from day one via the transfer portal. It's a brutal situation to be in, man, because this yeah. is arguably the most important spot along the offensive line, some would say. And right now you're deficient at it. And you're deficient at it at a time when there's not a whole lot of options to be able to come in and play right away. I remember a red shirt sophomore by the name of Mitch Morse who got huh. pushed out into the center role in 2012 and did nothing but whiff on snaps right over James Franklin's head and, and, and Corbin Bergstresser said the entire time. He didn't last two games as center. Last I checked, he's an NFL center right now so we you know whenever things are going well we think they're never going to get worse and when things are going bad we think they're never going to get better i think the same approach is for connor tolleson here the dude is going to get better and i think he's got a lot of the mental game down i think he's got the reps that he can be good he's just yeah he's not sec big yet so if unless he magically you know grows 40 pounds over this off season then no he's probably not going to be your best bet Bency Polgar, we have no idea what he can do. We saw that he had 11 starts and 16 games at Buffalo. Cool. Yeah, that's 822 snaps to your name. Great. That's great. We don't know what you can do in the SEC. 
we've seen a two-star New Jersey center do well here with Mike Maietti doesn't mean they're all going to do well. So I, gosh, even you, I was saying like some other offensive linemen might get rotated in. I think Luke Griffin played center when he was in high school. I don't know. I know Tristan Wilson was always a guard. I don't know if EJ Antoma Ogar or Ama Mimbu or, you know, even Makai Lee has some experience there, but it sounds like they're going to be rotating guys in and out, trying to get some experience there. But man, if there is no activity in May in the transfer portal, I mean, I'm not saying you have to panic, but it's going to be really weird if they don't pick anybody else up. And like you said, we mentioned this three shows ago that they needed to do something. They still haven't done it. I would love to see them try Membu at center. Yeah. I don't know if it would work because it's like a highly technical position. And if you just, there are certain guys that just can and other guys that just can't. You, you It's kind of a, a skill that you either have or don't. And it's possible he just doesn't have it, but he's athletic. Mm-hmm. He clearly was up for the task a year ago of playing early in the SEC, even though Eli Drinkwood said after the season, once again, uh, one of his mm-hmm. biggest issues was not getting more playing time for one uh, of his star young players. Uh, see to come it really. It's it's shocking at this point. Um, but like I I would be curious to see what he looks like there. I don't know that that's a spot that makes a whole lot of sense for EJ and Doma Ogar, but m- maybe you could try it, I suppose. Um, Marcellus Johnson, I believe is his name, the, the new uh-huh. transfer that they brought in. Maybe you try it with him. He's highly athletic. Like he, he could do it based on just the skills that he has. If he could get down the whole, you know, I have to snap the ball first thing, which is kind <laughs> of a big deal. Yeah. So there's, they have options that at least athletically and based on their profiles make some sense, but it would require you taking one of your best five and moving them from arguably their best positions. And that's a frustrating thing to have to do. It is. So, yeah, I don't know who's being officially courted for the new job. If they come preloaded with a with a transfer center, that would be great, but that's asking for a lot. So... We'll be very curious to see what happens here. Obviously, we will keep you up to date as far as things that we hear and things that we know and whenever the hire is made, um, yeah, we'll let you know. It's it's something, you know, the spring, game or, the spring games are done, spring practices are done, so there isn't some, like, massive pressing issue to get it done right now. At the same time, you'd like the guy to be in there over the summer because there are summer installation programs that they do, and you'd like to have that dude on board. So I'm assuming it's going to be relatively quick. Unless they're waiting for something to open. I don't know, but we will find out. Uh, Along the lines of kind of bummer news, uh, Missouri's projected starting Mike linebacker, Chad Bailey, uh, decided to get a DWI over over this weekend. Now, again, spring practices are done. Black and gold game is done. Like, there's no punishment that's going to be had now. It's just mostly disappointing for a guy who is a team captain and a leader on this team to make a very dumb choice. Uh, and drive around while intoxicated, especially when you are a Mizzou athlete and you have tons of options for you to get yourself from a place where you are no longer able to drive to the place where you need to be. BK, dumb things happen. Colleges for dumb things. DWIs can kill people. Call an Uber, make a smart decision. Anything else to add in there? Not really, man. Uh, my guess is that he'll probably be suspended at some point. Um during the fall and my guess would be it would probably be a game ish i it's hard to know for sure um but yeah it sucks and it's a stupid decision and it's one of those things that's is so easy to avoid so 
Yep. Um, yeah. I, unfortunately, there's just not a whole lot more you can you can say. Yep. Pretty much. So let's talk about some good stuff. Let's talk about some Cruton because Eli Drinkwitz has been busy on the Cruton Trail. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. In fact, after kind of a sleepy start uh, to the to the class, in a span of about six days, Eli Drinkwitz added three dudes uh, to the recruiting roster for the 2024 recruiting class. Let's do these in order in which they occur. Let's start off. With a guy named Ryan, is it is it Jostis? Jost, um, dude is big. He's a tight end. <laughs> from Washington, Missouri, 14th best player in the state of Missouri. Plays for Washington High School. He is 6'6", 285, and he's a five point six three star, according to Rivals. BK, I watched his film. It's fun. It's fun if you like blocking tight ends. And tell us a little bit more about uh, Mr. Mr. Ryan here. Yeah, he's not a tight end. That, yeah. That's the first thing to yeah. know about Mr. Ryan here is that he's not actually a tight end. Um, he is that in name only. His his uh, stats on his huddle page, for example, receiving stats, four receptions for 36 yards, blocking stats, 96 pancakes. When you list that part on your, your profile, you're probably more of an offensive lineman. I would be shocked, legitimately shocked, if he's not playing offensive tackle at the next level. He is a super fun player to watch. He kicks ass uh, along the offensive line as a run blocker. He has some serious athleticism as a blocker. He can get out into space. Um, he's got a really good motor. Like everything you look for in a projectable offensive tackle, this dude's got it. So I, I think he's one of my favorite players that I've watched in the last couple of classes, honestly. It might take him a little bit to adjust to the next level, but he's got the he's got the frame to put on more weight. He has the length to play offensive tackle, not just at the college level, but at the NFL level, if everything translates. And he he has the skills to, to be able to do this. So I, I love it. I think it's a really good get by Mizzou. And I think he's a player that has a chance to be a little underrated when, when we look back at this class. I agree. I, I love watching his tape. There are so many skinny little white kids coming around the corner that he just destroys, absolutely destroys. 
it was it was a lot of fun to watch. He I did see him catch a couple passes and get demolished. Uh, so he he's got some soft hands when he needs to. But yeah, if you like watching blocking, like this, this is your guy. And uh, he he is a big dude, six six two eighty five. Yeah, this is this is an offensive tackle, and I think he's going to be really good. And he's going to continue to he's going to be like that middling three star because all he does is block. Now he plays a little bit of inside line uh, defensive lineman. You can watch him tackle a couple fools, but like if they're if that is what they are grading him on, then he's not going to get much better than that. So he could absolutely be kind of a, a diamond in the rough under the radar kind of prospect, which is which is great for Mizzou. Uh, this is great, and, and of course he's not going to be starting when he steps on. Onto campus, he's got plenty of time to develop, uh, but it is it is nice to see such a mean blocker get added to the roster. I love I love that sort of thing. And then after that, literally two days after that, Missouri turned around and got their quarterback of the class, Mister Daniel Kalen, who is a pro style quarterback out of Bellevue, Nebraska, twenty seventh best quarterback in the nation, fourth best prospect coming out of Nebraska from Bellevue West, six two one ninety five. This is a dude who is a three-star in name only, because if you look at his offer sheets, there are some big names who are very interested in the kid who just earned the starting job last year. BK, what did you like about Mr. Kalen? So I'm going to start with the comparison that I made, because I think that'll put a picture in, in a lot of fans' minds. So if you're an NFL fan, you've definitely seen this guy. It's Derek Carr. All the good, all the bad. Everything that comes with him, he reminded me a lot of Derek Carr. Um, very accurate, has enough of an arm to be able to get it down the, to push the ball down the field when he wants to not a ton of mobility, but enough there to be able to scramble when necessary. Um, that that's kind of the comp that I made to him when, when I was watching him on film, he's a good player, man. It, it's, it's weird because like, he's almost not even all that fun to watch just because everything is just very technically sound. Like it's just, it, it, you watch it. You're like, yeah, that guy's good. <laughs> there's, there's not a whole lot more to offer. And then it just becomes a question of how does it translate to the next level? And that's always the question with these kids, typically, especially at the quarterback position where there is so much that changes, especially in the SEC with the defenses that you're eventually going to see. Are you able to pick up on the disguises that some of the coaches in this league are going to have for you? Are you going to fall for the linebacker that is dropping into his own coverage? If you're able to do that stuff, you can make it at the next level. If not, it's going to be a really tough transition. But it, based on what we've seen from him in high school, there's no reason to believe that he won't. And again, I mean, he's going to come into a situation, and I'm not saying they're all going to be here, but you got Brady Cook, Jake Garcia, Sam Horn, Jabari Johnson. All of them are going mm-hmm. to be on campus for at least one year by the time he comes onto campus. Again, not all of them are going to be there when he does show up, but they're all going to have at least a year. So... No rush, Daniel. You got plenty of time. You know, get through your senior year. Be awesome. Get that fourth star if that's what you end up doing. Hit your, all your camps, all your evaluation camps. Be awesome. But like, show up in Mizzou, and then we'll see what's going to happen. You know, depending on who leaves and when, you know, you might have a path where he's got to wait maybe a year until he takes over the reins. If if not, maybe it's two or three, and you know, who knows what's going to happen. So that is so far projecting. I can't even tell you what could possibly happen. But the point is, is that every time you bring in a recruiting class, you have to bring in a quarterback. And we have kind of fallen into the groove of Eli Drinkwitz gets a big splashy four-star guy. Well, he might not be that now, 
he could very well be that in the future. But regardless, the skill set that we have seen tells you that he is going to be very good. Again, like BK says, he needs some college seasoning. But still, raw skills, athletic ability, the talent, it's there. So he's got room to develop. And he's got a couple years to sit and a bunch of guys he can learn from in front of him. And then we get to the big mama, the blue chipper, the first blue chipper of the 2024 class, uh, Tion Gray, the 120th best player in the country. He's a defensive tackle from St. Louis, Missouri, eighth best player uh, at his position, eighth best player in the state. Hills from Hazelwood Central. He is 6'6", 305, just got done with his junior year. Boy, BK, I'm a fan of this guy. What did you think? Good player. I actually work with his coach. So, Kerry Davis, former um, Pittsburgh Steelers fullback, uh, Super Bowl champion. He is the or the the morning show host on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. He is also the head coach at Hazelwood Central. Or, yeah, Hazelwood Central, which is where Tion Gray is from. That's that's his school. Um, and so, I, I've talked to Kerry about him a few different times because, it, I mean, he's a big-time prospect. So, I was curious, you know, what, what kind of player is he? He likes him a lot. He said he could play either offense or defensive line at the next level. He might even be better. Like, if he wanted to play O-line, he might be better on that side of the ball as a tackle at the next level. Yeah. But he said he wants to play ta He wants to play defense. He's going to be a defensive tackle. He's going to be a three-tech. He's going to come in and be able to disrupt from the interior. Mizzou start to kind of add some of these guys to the mix. You know, you, you look at it and you're like, all right. I kind of see what they're trying to develop here. You've got Kai Montgomery, you've got Marquise Gracial. It seems like every year they're able to get at least one of these guys that projects along the interior. If they're able to buy some time with the transfers that they were able to bring in last year, and then they start handing it over to the younger guys, you could have something that is pretty sustainable along this defensive line, and Gray's just going to be the next in line to be able to be that guy that really creates the pressure in the interior. I also love it when you pair a player with a coach that is best able to utilize his asset that he brings to the table. When I think interior havoc wrecker and I think about Blake Baker's defense, yeah, that that makes a whole lot of sense to be able to bring him into the mix. <laughs> Absolutely. So at the tackle position, you have for sure leaving after this year, Rialis George, Josh Landry, Darius Robinson, who's kind of playing in. We'll talk about that in a second. You could have... Jaden Jernigan and Christian Williams come back. Whether they do or don't, I don't know, but they could. And then after that, it's a four-pack of Ian Matthews, Kai Montgomery, Marquise Grossfield, and, and Jalen Marshall. So Tion Gray steps into a situation where if he's that good, he could probably crack into the rotation. If not, no worry, not a huge rush. They still have four guys ahead of him. So who who knows what's going to happen? But, man, I love I love watching this guy play. It's not he's not Sheldon Richardson or anything, but like he's got that he's got that disruption. And of course, everyone's highlight film is their best stuff. I understand that, but man, sure. he's just he is a wrecking ball. And for a defense that loves havoc, uh, for for that interior line that likes to get pressure up the middle while eating up blocks, like he is going to have a lot of fun in Blake Baker's defense. So I'm very excited for him. Uh, welcome to all three of those guys. Very excited that you. Have verbally committed. Uh, now, please sign on the dotted line at the end of the year. Please and thank you. Let's get out of here on the black and gold game. Because it did happen, even though nobody was allowed to watch because it was raining and cold. But it did happen. BK, 
you know that the spring game doesn't really mean a lot. It mostly is for the fans to get a chance to see the team, a little bit of an oasis in the desert of college football visibility. So we didn't have that opportunity, but it still happened. I mean, other than the fact that Missouri's defense is still really good and Missouri's offense is still kind of struggling, really any big takeaways you took from the news leaking out from the black and gold game not really to be honest like they, they were clearly switching reps between their quarterbacks um luther burden apparently played well which not really a shock the defense was better than the offense not a shock um center was obviously a, a point of contention which not a shock like, most of the stuff that we expected to hear kind of happened. I would say the biggest thing that did surprise me a bit, and this was really a theme throughout spring, and it's why I no longer am evaluating junior college <laughs> players. I, I want everybody to know that, like, if there's a JUCO player that commits to Mizzou, I'll watch their stuff and I'll tell you what I think about him, but just take it all with a, a huge grain of salt because DJ Coleman looked terrible at JUCO and was awesome at Mizzou. Apparently Tristan Newsom is just going to be the next guy that is awesome at Mizzou after doing nothing interesting on film at the JUCO level. He was apparently outstanding all of spring, and that continued once again into uh, the spring game. So that that was probably the single biggest thing that stood out to me. Apparently uh, Trevez Johnson <laughs> also had a really good game. So those are probably two of the the standouts that came as a little bit more of a surprise. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that Trevez Johnson's playing, I guess, Kind of a mixture of a backup star, backup strong safety. I've um, got like seven of them. There's too many safeties, man. Like, I know there's three on the field at a time, but you already had nine. Whatever. Maybe someone's rotating out the corner. Uh, but still, I mean, the I crazy think, part, though, like on that note, before before we uh, move forward. Yeah, they, they're good. Like, they have they're good all good. safeties. It's yeah. not just that they've got like too many of them. It's they've got good safeties and they're deep at safety and they're deep with guys that are like juniors and seniors. Yeah. So it it's kind of one of the reasons why I was surprised when they ended up getting Johnson. And the same thing is true of Sidney Williams from Florida State, who was like a real piece at Florida State. And then he decides to come to Mizzou. It's like, yo, did you look at the depth chart before <laughs> transferring? Like, I'm not mad yeah. that you're here, but yeah. they brought back their two starters at that spot. Dalen Carnell is the like obvious starter at star. And you guys are just going to be added to the mix now. All right. Like, I don't have a problem with it. That's cool. But I don't know how much playing time there's going to be for some of these guys. I don't know. And, you know, not not to push anybody out. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just pointing out that Missouri's like five scholarships over the limit right now. So you got to look at positions where you have underclassmen who are struggling to see the field. I can think of a couple of positions and a couple of names tied to those positions. And... A lot of guys are getting thrown in there, so I don't know, but we will find out in May when the portal opens. Other than that, I mean, you had, you know, the Daniel Label. Is that his last name? I've never heard it said out loud, so I'm going to say Label. Um, he was a, a a JUCO quarterback who's decided to walk on, and I guess impressed anyway with the third strainers. Uh, Jake Garcia and Sam Warren, like you said, kind of rotated with both sides. It just seemed like from reports, it was a lot of game reps with mixing and matching folks, which is fine by me. Uh, they got to figure out what you have and, and put it through the test. So that's cool. But you don't really hear a lot about 
like running back standing out or, you know, offensive linemen standing out. I think Javon Foster, uh, Xavier Delgado, Connor Tolleson, Armand Mibu, Marcellus Johnson were basically the first string, which, like you said, no surprise. So what are you going to do? Um, it's just, it's tough, especially when Missouri's defense is so good and the, and the offense is, uh, we'll say, behind, uh, to put it nicely. So, you know, hey, iron sharpens iron. If you get a whole spring and summer of going up against the best, maybe you'll be thoroughly prepared for the season. I don't know. That's just me spinning it positively. I what do I know? Um, so yeah, we we got through the spring session. Nobody was catastrophically hurt, which is great. Don't really have an answer at offensive line yet. Don't really know what's going on with quarterbacks yet. And we have another round of portaling once we get to May. So I don't know. How are you feeling? Heat check. You feeling positive? Feeling negative? Feeling meh? Just fine? Uh, feeling positive. I, I would say, like, I feel as expected coming out of the spring. I don't think anything's really changed for me. I was excited about this team going into the spring because of what they have coming back defensively. Yep. And I pretty much still feel the same way coming out of the spring, where it's like the, the floor is going to be determined by the defense. The ceiling is going to be determined by what they do on offense. Yeah. I agree. And this defense has shown if you are a competent offense, they will keep you in the game. So please, Missouri, just be competent. That's all I'm asking from you. So I think that's going to be our show for today. And man, next time you hear from us, there's going to be a video component. That's going to be weird. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. I'm not sure if you all are ready for that. But yes, I'm sure you heard on on Sam's show, and you've you've heard on our social media avenues and on the website. But we are uh, doing the old pivot to video. Obviously, we'll still have this this uh, podcasting feed. That's not going anywhere. You can still hear us wherever you get your podcasts. But if you want to look at our stupid faces while we talk, there is going to be an aspect of that on our YouTube channel, Rockin' Radio. You can check that out. You can watch it if you like. Or not. I don't care. It's up to you. But uh, we would appreciate any kind of additional clicks, likes, downloads, subscriptions, all that sort of stuff just to keep this thing going. Uh, now we are unshackled and we can kind of be free and be who we want to be. Uh, so that's kind of fun and it's a new chapter for us, which is always exciting. So that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. And of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation and our podcasting outlet at Rockin' Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Z-O-U.